What's going on, you dubiously daring dramatories? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined, as always, by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. Hey, guys, and hey, James. How's it going, buddy? Hot. It Hot is all right, mate. baking at the moment. My God. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you, man. Just swampy in this office right now. Not a complaint you get often in England. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 Enjoy it while it's there, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Enjoy it with a nice cool beverage. A nice lolly perchance. Yeah. Solid shout. Solid advice. So what we've got coming up in this week's episode, well, we've got the usual catch-up, we've got a bit of news, and then of course we've got the welcome return of the games challenge. It was my challenge this week. Let's see how I got on a bit later. But first, let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore tpm so slightly different start to the catch-up this week because will and i have both been playing the same thing so it seems silly for me to just ask him what he's been playing because i know we have of course both been playing starfield the latest and greatest from bethesda i talked a little bit about it last week so i'd started it a bit sooner but will you started it this week Hit me up. How you been finding it? Well, I've actually been playing it uh, pretty much since the night that we did the recording now. So I put in maybe a good solid 40 hours into it. And I'm having a really, really good time with it so far. Uh, most of the time is spent following the main campaign on the game. Uh, and I've been progressing that quite a lot. But I kind of wanted to pick up on some of the discussion that we've been talking about last week, uh, where we spoke about the character creator. And in that, I kind of promised that I was going to take a look and see if it's possible to create an absolute monstrosity. And I'm pleased to say that it absolutely is. That's what we like to hear. I uh, I mucked around with these sliders and you can change the facial proportions quite a bit. Uh, obviously, I'm sure that over time and with mods, there'll be ways to unlock those sliders to kind of accentuate things. If there aren't already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's not even get started on the mod scene that's already exploded in that game. I think it had a record number of mods actually on Nexus even in its kind of early week of access as well. I can believe it. So after having a good toggle, I was able to make a complete beast and I took them into the game. But at that point, I really wasn't paying much attention to the storyline uh, and ended up kind of finding myself a little bored and confused. Uh, so I decided to start the game from the top again, paying a bunch more attention. I made a much more serious character where I just made myself. And I was having a good time, actually. Um, but before I get onto that, actually, I just wanted to, to mention that I was actually hoping to bring Gillian Shepard from our Mass Effect Completionist Corner into uh, my playthrough of Starfield. But I was prevented from doing that, unfortunately, by the fact that there isn't a purple hair option in the game. Really? Yeah. Even though there's a green freaking everything else. Yeah, it? there's an even like an orange fading into a yellow. There's maybe about 40 different hair colours in the game, but this is where I feel like they've kind of slipped up in the character creator is, why not just have that thing on a colour palette? Like most other games have done by now. It seems odd that they've restricted it to only 40 different kinds of colour. And again, this is a thing that will be fixed with mods pretty easily. But I just wish that it was an option to be able to actually pick certain colours, particularly your hair. Oh, same thing I said about the eye colours last week, dude. Exactly yeah. the same thing, right? Weirdly restrictive in those senses. Yeah. I would really like to see them fix that in a later title where they actually add colour palettes in for certain things in the game. In this day and age, I don't really understand why we're limited to only, you know, 40 
different hair colors and only a certain amount of different eye color in the game. You said it was an odd uh, moan last week, but now you see what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, being that restrictive now was particularly in terms of the color scheme. Weirdly, because it does allow you to paint your ship in any color later on in the game, you can absolutely toggle any color using a full color palette. Why they didn't implement that into the character creation is, is bizarre to me. Agreed. But anyway, with that kind of very minor gripe out of the way, uh, I, I've decided that Gillian Shepard was a no-go and I was going to just have to go ahead and make myself because me being a very generic looking white guy is uh, is much easier to, uh, to create in that engine. So I, I went ahead and uh, did that instead. I chose my background in the game as a chef. Uh, which I found has a couple of added bonuses. You get your free initial skills. Uh, one of them, I think, is scavenging. The other one is uh, increased abilities in terms of the recipes that you can cook. Gastronomy, yeah. Gastronomy, thank you, yeah. And I've actually noticed that those classes don't just affect uh, the three different starting classes. They actually affect some of the dialogue options in the game as well. At this point, I've noticed several opportunities for me to answer something with specific specialised knowledge to a chef uh, that has enabled me to kind of quite drastically change the outcome of the situation or bypass certain other checks which is really useful yeah i've had one of those as well and uh because i chose industrialist npcs just go oh let's see your let's check your background oh you're industrialist is that code for corporate asshole as everyone says that to me in the <laughs> it's great all right you've kind of like got a, the world has kind of got a bias against you just based on that initial outcome already yeah well a little bit just random guards and shit say it to me it's just a, it's a line it's like it's like in skyrim when if you're a member of the thieves guild they'll they'll say stuff like hey i'm with the guild i know you sort of thing it's cool though nice touch. exactly and that. as you say different missions have different outcomes as a result there was one where it was like I had to pretend to be someone's PA and because I had business experience, I could nail it. There you go. Yeah, it's very useful to kind of pick these certain background slots and, and have those different ways to influence the dialogue. It definitely makes the game seem worthy of much more than just one playthrough. It makes you want to choose these different backgrounds and see how that influences your gameplay. And uh, why don't we touch a little bit on traits as well? Uh, the up to three initial points that you can pick at the start of the game, which can also have an influence on how the game plays out as well. Yeah, and these traits are sort of you can't just have a straight positive trait there's always a payoff on them yeah absolutely every single one will have the up but it also has the down to balance as well yeah like uh one of the traits in the game you can have a, a a very stable home life you can have parents that you visit and you can enjoy the luxuries of their house but two percent of your income goes to them i think it's every in-game week or month or something like that which to be fair given how time works in this game probably isn't that bad but still f that <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're kind of a lot of them are sort of passive, silly things, but I think that they add a little bit of depth in terms of your character. The one I pick for myself is introvert, which basically means that without companions, so on my own, or without human companions specifically, so robots are probably all right, I have less oxygen depletion, which is your stamina bar, and with human companions, more. Another cool one is you can have a history of having pissed off some space pirates in the past so that you have much more increased instances of being attacked by space pirates as you travel around the cosmos. And that's quite a nice touch, especially for people that really enjoy the space combat. Yeah, it also probably pairs quite well with the smuggler background as well. But um, the trait that I find funny as a Bethesda fan is um, you can actually have the adoring fan from Oblivion. And basically what it is, is you have an adoring fan who gives you gifts every so often, but I think he's always on your ship and annoys the piss out of you. Yeah, he's got like a very kind of uh, overly exaggerated, positive outlook on life. And he says lots of cringeworthy kind of ingratiating lines to you <laughs> as well. By Vectera, by Vectera, by Vectera, I can't believe it. Is it you? Is it really, really you? Captain of the frontier, bane of the fleet, 
constellations shining star of stars. He's a fun crew member to have around, honestly. I don't quite get the annoying thing. I suppose the fact that he's intentionally annoying, somehow for me anyway, makes it less annoying somehow. Have you got him then? Yeah, well, yeah, I've had him on my ship the entire game. Yeah, yeah. Did you find that? Oh, yeah, I know. F*** that. I'm meant to be an introvert. Why would why would I have a human on my ship? Oh, okay. So you've got no one on your ship at all times. You leave them all where they are. Yeah. And I have no companions following with me either. Because I think it's still possible to have crew members on your ship, but just not take them on the missions uh, to still get the benefits of that perk of being an introvert. I suppose that just doesn't affect you while you're in space combat. Yeah. The only time I've ever had crew members on my ship is when I was doing a mission and I hired them and basically they just came on my ship until the mission was over and then they f***ed off to their place where I can pick them up later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That happens quite a bit as well you'll sometimes initiate a mission and uh and they'll just kind of linger around until you actually decide to take them up on whatever they want you to do so we've talked a little bit about conversations in the game and the different mechanics around there the different dialogue options that you have in order to bring out different outcomes and i wanted to get a little bit more into that as well because that's something i've noticed through playing that feels to me at least quite more in depth than fallout 4 or skyrim previously i really like how the persuasion mechanic works in the game it's definitely more in depth um, than a Skyrim. It's more like Oblivion's one. Which I'm less familiar with, to be fair. So why don't you take us through it? Well, this, let's start with the Starfield one. The Starfield one basically has four or five different options that have a green, amber, or red color um, against them with a plus score. So plus one to plus six, I think is the highest I've seen. That's right, yeah. And each person you're trying to persuade or influence will have a set number of bars that you have to fill. I think the highest I've seen is seven. Uh, yeah, I think I saw seven or eight earlier today. And you have three goes or three turns to get it full. But if you pass the check on your last turn and you haven't got it full yet, you will have another opportunity until it is full. But if you fail at any point in that point, persuasion attempt failed. And we should mention at this point, the green lines uh, are very kind of easy things to say, like, hey, nobody wants to get hurt around here sort of thing. We'll just take it easy. And then something with like a high plus six, which has a chance of building up that persuasion bar a lot more than one of your more sort of blasé, relaxed responses. Uh, there's a, obviously a higher chance of failure there as well, because that response might be something like put down your guns otherwise everyone in this room dies sort of thing so you have to be investing in your persuasion and intimidation skills if you want to pull something like that off or you can save scum a bunch it's really easy <laughs> yeah or you can save scum yeah personally i'm trying to avoid that as much as possible although i have found that drinking certain kinds of alcohol puts your persuasion up and i've been using that to great effect i gotta say you know kind of like echoes of a Leahy playthrough going on here with me in this starfield game and the final thing we should say about the um, starfield conversation system is there is a chance on every single option you get to have a critical success which means that no matter what the point score is you'll pass the whole check regardless oh that's really cool i wasn't aware of that and the reason i say it's um, similar to the oblivion one more so than the skyrim one which is just you have a speech skill and then you put the persuade option and if your speech skill is high enough it'll work um it's because oblivion kind of had a wheel where you could pick um four different kind of responses you didn't get to pick what you said but it was like i forget what they were because i haven't played oblivion all that much and not for a long time but it's like funny fucking serious i can't remember what they were but it was four different options and depending on the character you were talking to you'd have better response from each of them depending on what option you picked so it is more similar in terms of that you've got diplomacy options and intimidation options and things like that that you can invest in cool stuff it's one thing that particularly for me I've really found enjoyable in the game and I've noticed some pretty drastic different outcomes and instances there. I have been doing a little bit of save scumming to figure out 
what you can do oh, or what's possible in the game. He was, he was going to have a go at me and saying, oh, I try not to do that on my first play. And then he comes out and says he's done it. Okay, nice. What I will nice. say is I do <laughs> stick with my original plan in mind, which is usually to be diplomatic or try and engage in the conversations. But curiosity kills the cat. I always quick save and... You know, as is customary after a quick save, you go on an absolute slaughtering spree. And I just wanted to exploit that a little bit to see where, you know, what happens on the other side of the coin. And honestly, sometimes it's really impressive just how much they've mitigated and built around it. I encountered someone that you need to save and you have the option in the game, obviously, to engage them, speak to them and probably navigate your way out of the situation, which is what I eventually did. But I did see a hell of a lot of red barrels in that room, red explosive barrels, and I saw my opportunity and took it. And at that point, when you save the person, they even say something like, well, I can't blame you for ruthlessly murdering all of the people that kidnapped me. But, you know, we, we kind of had a thing going. <laughs> so, uh, is that, yeah. Is that when you save Barrett? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. That's that mission. <laughs> I yeah. thought about doing that, but I didn't do it. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, like I said, curiosity killed the cat on that situation. I just wanted to see what would happen. And then I went back to what my actual thing was. And given that you know how that quest plays out, we probably won't get into it for, for spoiler reasons. It's very early on quest. But given that you know how that quest plays out uh yeah i think you can appreciate that that seemed particularly bloodthirsty in that instance yeah it was a bit harsh <laughs> a bit <laughs> so you mentioned at the start of um the discussion here will that you've sort of been trying to barrel through the main campaign pretty quickly i've got to say that that's complete contrast to my play style in this i'm many hours deep many many i think it's sitting around <laughs> currently 75 or something like that oh, at damn. the time of recording and uh i have done three main quests to this point and it's not what you'd think. I haven't been exclusively doing side quests or anything like that. I got very lost in the exploring in this game. Yeah. Just visiting different planets and stuff. But the main thing that I've actually gotten super into, which I didn't think I would, I thought it would be a very minor thing for me, is the shipbuilding. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Great thing to bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. So as part of my sort of interplanetary exploring just f***ing around doing the odd side quest sure but not specifically focusing on them you've probably seen this as well if you've been on planets you see that other ships will randomly land sometimes that's right yeah yeah i always steal their medikits and their uh, medical supplies <laughs> it's like the only thing that you can rob uh, in certain areas <laughs> so in the tutorial mission uh, uh, this actually happens like um if you make a certain decision on the rooftop in the tutorial mission a crimson fleet um ship will come down and uh, typically it will drop some troops off and then just take off again straight away. But for whatever reason, the first time I got there, the hatch stayed open and I was able to get on the ship. But the trap door was, it said, inaccessible. I couldn't get in. There wasn't even a lock picking shack, nothing like that. It was just, you can't get in here. So I was like, oh, f*** it. Well, I won't try and get on someone's ship for a long time now. Fast forward about 20 hours later, <laughs> I'm exploring these planets and I see some ships land and I think, uh, well, this one's landed and it hasn't moved for a long time. I'm going to go see what's what. And I get there and it's a UC, which is the um, kind of the uh, United Colonies Police, basically. The UC. Space narcs. Yeah, basically they're, they're the good guys, sort of. I, I don't really know them that well yet. I, I kind of see them as like uh, the equivalent of the Alliance in Mass Effect. That's that's a good description. Yeah, they are. Uh, it, was a, it was a UC Raptor landed and I was like, ah, oh, it's been a minute. I'll see if I can get on this one. And there was a lockpick check this time. Now, security lockpicking was the first skill that I got to three points so I could unlock master locks as soon as possible. This was an advanced lock. Nice and easy. That is kind of one of those essential things that you want to progress. You're going to lock yourself out of a lot of cool stuff if you don't progress that stuff. Exactly. Including stealing people's ships, it turns out. <laughs> because I didn't realize there was no captain on this ship. I don't know what happened. It was landed kind of near a pirate base type thing. So maybe he got killed. 
I don't know. Yeah, tell yourself whatever you need to to justify leaving a man stranded on a planet near a pirate base without his ship. <laughs> yeah, hey, this has happened. I was there for a good five minutes. Right? You didn't say you were going for the scoundrel flavour. I'm not. I'm just being a <laughs> cheeky rogue. <laughs> Look, I, I don't think that uh, Finders Keepers applies to spaceships. <laughs> and uh, I thought, fuck it, I'll try and sit in the pilot seat, see what happens. And lo and behold, <laughs> it was a class C. So I, it was a class A, sorry. So I could, I could use it at that time and take off. And it then got a little notification saying, this is now your home ship. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my up. God. Damn. Home ownership works pretty interesting in the Starfield universe. Yeah. It really is finders keepers. It really is. Like squatters' rights to the fucking 11th degree there. And the best thing, zero repercussions. <laughs> I could sell the ship. And it didn't get picked up as like, oh yeah, fucking, this is Captain Davidson's ship or whatever. The only thing is though, sell, the, the ship game, selling and buying and whatnot. I've never bought a ship, I've only stolen them. Okay. But you, yeah, have to, yeah. you have to register them. And let's say the ship's worth 10 grand, right? You, you register it for eight and then you sell it for 10. So you only make like a 2,000 credit profit on oh, Okay, ship, okay. Which is a good way of not breaking the economy of the game, I suppose. But um. I very quickly amassed a fleet of about 14 ships. Right, so you were going full-on space pirate in this playthrough. Oh my goodness. No, because no, it wasn't space pirating in the sense that I didn't kill anyone for them. <laughs> Most of them were actually pirate ships. So that, so I was killing Crimson Raiders what? and then ah, stealing right. their ships. So you you would prefer to see yourself as a space Robin Hood? Vigilante. Yeah, sorts, yeah. yeah. Renegade vigilante. <laughs> but then one of the ships I stole was a trader ship. Okay, well, we're blurring the lines so that's a little not quite bit now. <laughs> and obviously one of them was a UC Raptor. So, ah, yeah, yeah. The, we did just call them the good guys earlier. Exactly. So. Are we the baddies? But mostly um, Crimson Crimson Fleet and Ecliptic. Uh, I'm definitely going to call them the Crimson Raiders, but I know that's Borderlands. But, they, but I, it's Crimson Fleet and Ecliptic ships mainly. I've, uh, but my first ship that I actually customised myself was a spacer ship that I stole and basically just repositioned the parts and just put a load of shipping tanks on the side. Right, right. To give it a capacity of like 2,000 or 2,500 or something. And that was my first ship and I used it for a very long time. I've still got the Frontier. I now have four ships, but I've still got the Frontier, but never used use it it's more just a showpiece there's another ship that i found that relates to a quest so i'm not going to talk about it and then my pièce de resistance is the ship that i've just built now that i'm a class c pilot so i can use the best components and uh i spent about 250 grand on this ship again i built it off the back of a um, crimson fleet ship because it had some uh it had about 340 shielded capacity which is storage capacity that you can hide contraband in without getting caught oh right yeah you can kind of do a jammer sort of thing that prevents the ships from scanning you and discovering the contraband there's another cool little kind of side feature of the game that i thought was pretty nifty yeah and it doesn't happen every single time as well it's like random which i think is really cool as well um, but yeah, made my ship. Um, it's a beauty. It's so agile. It's so sleek looking. Amazing weapons. Like I can basically three shot any ship when it shields are down. And I've just been having a blast with the whole thing. I've, I've probably spent about five or six hours total just in ship customization. It's so fun. It's extremely impressive what they've managed to do. The whole kind of just drag and drop assembly of the ship makes it really yeah. feel like you're just kind of playing with ship Lego, really. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that everyone really has dreamed of doing for a long time. I think it is possible in other space exploration games, but to be able to finally do it in an accessible Bethesda RPG, it's, it's really cool. Even though, uh, you know, I said that I've been focusing on the, the story for the most part, and I haven't really upgraded my ship too much, just through kind of dragging and 
dropping and discovering how it all works. It's been really interesting to see just how customizable these ships are. Not in terms of stats and energy capacity and all that, but also just in general look as well. Some people have made some insane uh, ship designs that I've seen on the internet. Yeah, and some f***ing ridiculous ones as well. Shout out to the person who designed the one with no middle so that it never gets hit in a dogfight. Brilliant. Right, yeah, you mentioned that one off pod saying that uh, enemies target the center of your spacecraft. Yeah, which I didn't know until I read this article. It makes sense, doesn't it? In terms of AI, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. But no, sh- shout out to that mechanic. It's, it's, you know, it's a great sweep, but it does have some janky elements. You can sometimes be at a certain angle that when you try and slot a part in, it will just fire to the other end of the grid. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I haven't haven't played with it enough to experience anything like that. But Yeah, uh, but it's fine. Like, it's absolutely fine. I've even seen people create x-wing fighters from star wars and uh i've even seen someone actually make the millennium falcon as well it's really insane just how much freedom that you get in that to actually recreate uh you know within reason some really instantly recognizable spaceships that we've all wanted to fly for a long time it's a cool thing to do yes and i'm actually when i have a lot more credits i'm gonna have a go at the normandy very good shout man yeah you gotta try and make the normandy yeah that is a great shout yeah i'm gonna give it a go because i've already know that it's got some engines that are the right sort of shape it'll just be interesting to see if i can do it and give the ship enough power with the limited engines the true normandy has we'll see that's going to be a lot of credits time though because it's going to be expensive that one but um i mentioned there that uh it wasn't all fun and games. There was a little bit of jank in there. And that actually brings me on to probably the only negative thing I have to say about Starfield, which is whilst none of the bugs are game breaking, and I did mention a few last week, the, the bugs are rife in this game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they go from the lighthearted, such as there's a shopkeeper in um, New Atlantis, the first town you arrive on called Gerhard. And I went into the shop randomly and he just had no clothes. He was just there in his pants. <laughs> Just for no reason. Don't know where they went. They're still not back. And then, you know, another one was there was, um, I walked into an office and there was just a load of shit floating in the air. Walked into it and it dropped. Fair enough. Next time I go in there, the table has come back. Oh. But it's on top of all the stuff now. So little funny things like that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I haven't experienced too much uh, of stuff like that so far. I've seen very minor visual bugs, like uh, occasionally you'll see a star in the sky on a planet, and if you bring it to sort of the edge of the screen, it'll kind of slowly strobe in and out of existence, which actually drastically changes the lighting on the planet. So it's like a very, very visual noticeable bug. Uh, but again, they've, they've all been kind of small things like that. Uh, I haven't noticed anything that has actually impacted my gameplay. Oh, no, and, and that doesn't really impact the gameplay too much. That's just quite funny. And they're what I'd call Bethesda bugs. You know, people standing up on stools when they're meant to be sitting down, little things like yeah, that. Yeah, someone floating in the sky, holding a gun that isn't actually there. You know, these are... The things we come to expect and sometimes find charming from Bethesda titles. Or one of the shopkeepers is not being where they're meant to be and being f***ing halfway across the planet. Yeah, you know, these things happen, right? That's fine. <laughs> but I did also discover a bug that actually took 10 hours of my life away to fix. Oh, right. Okay. So you have found some some kind of game-breaking stuff then, it sounds like. Not game-breaking, but game-affecting. If I hadn't fixed it, I would have been in real trouble. So as you're traveling planets, you may have seen, Will, that uh, you can get some extreme weather conditions that pop up. Yeah, I've had like acid storms and things like that, really murky, misty planets. Yeah, Freezing thunderstorms, freezing vapor, that sort of malarkey. Did you know that if you get the affliction from one of those uh, weather conditions and you fast travel straight back into your ship... That the affliction permanently stays with you. No, I haven't noticed that. So pro tip for anyone playing Starfield, if you get something, if you're in a, like, let's say you're in the freezing vapor and you have the freezing vapor warning on your status bar, don't fast travel directly into your ship. Fast travel to the landing site and then walk onto your ship. Because if you don't, then it stays with you permanently, which means that you can be, so 
specifically I had this with fr frozen vapor or freezing vapor, right? I could be walking on a planet that has inferno temperatures <laughs> and is giving me heat warnings and within five minutes of walking around in it, I'll get frostbite. Yeah, right. Or hypothermia. Right, yeah. These are the bugs that are an issue. You're simultaneously dying of freezing and cooking yourself to death on this new planet. But it gets worse, Will, because did you know that you can get s multiple weather afflictions at once if you have this bug? And did you know that if you didn't haven't noticed that you've got the condition and you do the same thing and fast travel back to your ship, they fucking stack. Before you know it, you've got five different weather afflictions you're both simultaneously suffering from. Poisoning, <laughs> burns, fucking frozen yeah. shit, toxicity, Cough, pain, crippled, some sort of microbial of infection. <laughs> now, the way you want to fix it, you'd think would be to get any other weather condition, overwrites it, heal and go back, right? Jobs are good and doesn't work like that. You have to get the exact same one again, but not only do you have to find it, you then have to wait until you get the warning changing from the actual weather condition to incoming weather condition. That's the only way to overwrite it. Right, so you essentially kind of recreate how you got it in the first instance so that this time it becomes undoable. Yes. Damn, man, that is a shitty bug. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't call that quite uh, game-breaking, but really to have to work through yeah no that's uh, game affecting that's as i say yeah yeah and do you know what made it even worse i found freezing rain in about an hour no problem freezing vapor took me about well it took me the other nine hours right Right, right. And when I finally got rid of it, I didn't even notice that I'd got it. I just went back onto my ship and I was really disappointed. And then I saw it was gone and I was like, no. <laughs> so I flew to a different planet, healed my frostbite and hypothermia because I'd run out of f***ing items to heal them because I had to get rid of them so much. And it had f***ing gone and I, I was so relieved. I was like, good, I don't have to start again. So maybe I just haven't looked into it enough, but aren't there medical aid items you can use to cure yourself of those planetary afflictions? Or, or do they just, they suddenly stop working if you've fast traveled back to your ship as well? No, so you can cure frostbite, the effect of said weather condition, but the weather condition can only be cured by what I've just explained. Okay, because what's okay. meant to happen is you walk back onto your ship, your suit recharges its protection power and that status disappears. But if you fast travel in, it locks in. So you get the thing saying your suit's recharging, but then you still have a little orange teardrop I had because it's the thermal issue. Yeah. God, painful, mate. Painful. That destroyed me. But other than that, fantastic game in my opinion. St still <laughs> other loving than those, it. The, those 10 out of the 70 hours you played so far. 10 out of 10 game. <laughs> uh, getting there. There's not too much wrong with it. Yeah, no, I, I've got to say, I, I do wholeheartedly endorse playing this game. I've had a, a fantastic time playing it. The minor kind of visual bugs that I've seen haven't really detracted or they're not kind of frequent enough that I'm being pulled out of the game. So yeah, man, can't sing the praises of this game enough. No, I'm right there with you, dude. And um, I'm looking forward to actually playing more of the fucking main campaign and seeing what this game's actually about story-wise. But uh, that's probably enough talk about Starfield for this week. I mean, certainly from my perspective, you'll probably hear more about it next week too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, but at this point, we'll move it on to the news, where we're actually going to start talking about Starfield again. Ah, there you go. It's a real Buster <laughs> Starfield episode, this. So as promised, our first news story of the day is uh, Starfield is breaking records already, which, uh, given the praise we've just heaped on it, possibly doesn't come as a great surprise. But Bethesda have announced that the new space-themed RPG has broken a new record for the studio just one day after launch, becoming the biggest game launch in their history with over 6 million players in a single day. Damn, that is putting up the numbers. Yeah, and especially even more impressive given that this is an Xbox exclusive. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Originally set to come out on all platforms, but of course only now on Xbox and PC. 
PC. And believe it or not, there's actually more. So not only did it hit this milestone, but the game also had 200,000 concurrent players on Steam during its early access period, or the pre-purchase period, if you want to call it that, which is a figure typically only matched by free-to-play multiplayer games, um, with some obvious exceptions, such as GTA 5 and Baldur's Gate 3. And another thing, launch day also saw over a million concurrent players across all platforms, which is a seismic feat showing this hype is real. Across all platforms, across the two platforms. All two of them, yeah, yeah. all two of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this is uh, impressive numbers. I think that it's, it's a really cool thing to see. And it, it does go against, uh, you know, a lot of the criticism I see on the internet. Because i got to say, like, outside of uh, the experience that I'm having and the experience of people I know in real life, Going on uh, X and looking at some of the feedback on this game, it's uh, it's very sour. And, and some of it is just kind of straight up uh, misinformation, it seems like. <laughs> I feel like there's been a little bit of a targeted campaign against this game. Uh, and, and I wonder just how much of that is fueled by the fact that it's an Xbox and PC exclusive. I think that there might be uh, a slight element of a lot of the negative criticisms of this game and kind of seeking out flaws uh, comes from some salty Sony fanboys. <laughs> is it all off Jim Ryan's burner account, is it? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Oh yeah, the bitch! Uh, one of the criticisms I saw of the game was uh, this game only has something like ten weapons. Uh, so, so that's the kind well, that's of that's not true. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the sort of criticisms I'm seeing leveled against this game, uh, which seems pretty pretty odd to me because some of this just kind of flagrant lies and misinformation. I mean, I bumped into about twelve different weapons within my kind of first 30 hours of playing and i'm pretty sure i've, I've bumped into quite a, a number more than that but I've, I've got 12 equipped on my character currently so and the other thing that bear in mind with that is it's a bethesda game some of the weapons will come later when you're a higher level that's just how it works yeah th that's kind of what i mean is I, I think that a lot of this stuff you can't really take seriously i, I think that yeah. some of this is a bit of a targeted kind of misinformation thing about this game I, i've seen a lot of criticisms that are either kind of Clearly people that weren't managing any expectations whatsoever and thought this thing was going to be the next generation entire freedom planetary exploration game uh, that even Bethesda didn't hype the game up as much as and you know and that's saying something for Todd Howard but I think a lot of people's expectations of this game were kind of beyond even what Todd Howard was uh was was stirring up in the mix and hyping up this game for yeah which is really interesting because for me it's exactly what he said it would be not not anything more so interesting that people I mean I guess it shows the hype right people were that excited that they built it up that much I get that people were disappointed uh that you aren't able to land your ship on a planet for instance, I, I do understand. You can land your ship on a planet. Yeah, I mean, as in, like, actually manually do it. Uh, you know, in oh, the same right. fashion that you do in No Man's Sky. Like, I think that those sorts of things do really add a sense of immersion to a game. But uh, I think at the same time, it's not like I'm constantly craving and missing it while I play through my playthrough either. I think it's kind of one of those ones. I never really had that expectation to begin with. So I wasn't let down. I, I kind of feel like games that manage to do that are built specifically with those mechanics in mind. Whereas uh, this is a Bethesda game. Game at the end of the day i think that just saying that alone does mean that you do need to manage expectations slightly like you know as you've said in terms of the bugs in this game as well these yeah. games are so massive in scope that it's almost impossible for them to quash all bugs and honestly like i think that it may never be possible for them to quash all the bugs with this game it's, it's very much going to be like skyrim and like fallout there are going to be noticeable bugs just due to the size and scope of this game and also throw in procedural generation into that mix of course it's going to happen yeah yeah you mentioned big todd there <laughs> alongside this news he actually has, did an interview um, with uh, Phil Spencer and a couple of other people where he was actually asked some questions and one of the questions he was asked and you actually brought this to my attention Will, which I thought was very funny was uh, he was asked about uh, why it wasn't optimised for PC and his answer was pretty great he basically just said that uh, 
it works perfectly well on PC. You just need to get better hardware. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was great because it is a next-gen RPG. That's how it's been sort of um, marketed. I think that's the point that he also said alongside that was, yeah, this is this is the next-gen kind of space exploration game. Yeah, you might need to upgrade your hardware to play this. And, and given the uh, minimum specs on this game, again, it's, it's, it's hardly surprising when you actually look at them on Steam that they are quite beefy compared to previous games. And that just made me laugh because it's like, uh, he made a very serious point and a good point but the way he phrased it which is great just just get better hardware <laughs> just invest mate yeah so i mean i i've actually experienced plenty of players that are playing this on hardware that is actually below the minimum specs and they're having no issues playing this game on lower settings either so uh, I, I'm not really sure what kind of performance issues people are, are bumping into. I, I can appreciate that people would be bummed, as we covered before, that it's locked to 30 on consoles. Um, I have noticed some performance dips in like large populated areas. If I go into New Atlantis, uh, my frame rate isn't like super consistent. It goes between, because um, I have it capped at 60, it goes between sort of 60 and then like, I even see as low as 40 on there if I'm like, spinning the camera around and trying to kind of make it render loads of different shit. But that is like the only place in the game that I actually have an inconsistent frame rate for the rest of the game. It's buttery smooth um, on ultra settings. Uh, so I haven't really bumped into any performance issues myself, other than the fact that I can just tell that it's inconsistent in areas where there's a massive high population. Yeah, not an issue I've found. It's been 60, just sat there. Um, the other thing that he Howard said in this interview that was quite interesting, I thought, was the fact that because it was only designed for two platforms in the end, it made the optimization better. But yes, record setting pace, let's see if it continues. So finally moving off Starfield for this episode, apologies for those that couldn't give a shit about that game, but our next story is that there is a new Mystery Valve piece of hardware that has just been certified in South Korea. Oh, what could this be? So according to an article from PC Gamer, a new Valve hardware device has just received radio certification in South Korea, which is often a precursor to wider release. Speculation is rife as to what this may be, with many, myself included, believing that it is most likely to be a VR headset of some description, as the other potential options that have been thrown about is a new Steam Deck or a new controller, um, neither of which I think is going to be imminent. Yeah, new Steam Deck is a is a real interesting take there. There feels like kind of that thing's only just come out, and I mean, it is kind of getting pretty good adoption, but uh, yeah, I feel like they can definitely ride that train for a while without needing to release a, a Steam Deck Pro. Well, exactly that, and then the Steam controller is kind of made obsolete by the Steam Deck, so why would that be a thing, right? I'm a little confused why even there's a guess that this is a VR headset, because it seems like, uh, unless this is just, you know, an upgraded version that has much better fidelity and field of view and stuff like that on it. The Steam headset is, is a very capable piece of hardware already, so again, I'm a little confused. Well, let me alleviate your confusion. So, the Korean certification is for some kind of wireless device, and the new listing is also pretty much identical to that of the MetaQuest 3. Ah. So, being a relatively low-cost wireless headset with its own CPU, GPO, RAM, and storage. Now, why this is interesting is because the previous Steam headset is uh, what they refer to in the industry as a dumb headset. <laughs> so it's fully wired and it can't do anything on its own. It's basically just a display that you put on your face. Pretty much an industry standard until the Quest came along. So this new piece of hardware is the next evolution whereby it's going to be a wireless headset that ah. runs everything itself rather than just a dumb headset. Finally! A smart VR headset that can run Half-Life Alex. I'm all in. Has connection to the Steam library as well. Where do I sign up? But I hate to, like 
call your jet straight away having just brought you up like that <laughs> this is all speculation at this stage but potentially exciting news given how long it's been since the valve index released so all those vr fanboys out there keep an eye on this could be getting that first wireless steam fully integrated headset coming yeah yeah definitely cool stuff to hear uh looking forward to seeing some sort of confirmation of that hopefully sometime soon so in our final news story this week mortal kombat 1 the new mortal kombat game that's coming out has already started work on its celebrity cameos with Jean-Claude Van Damme being announced as a skin for Johnny Cage. Oh, right. Okay. I wasn't expecting him to uh, to actually be a skin. I was kind of anticipating his own character. But given their moveset, it makes a lot of sense, honestly. Exactly. So the skin, which resembles Van Damme's look in Bloodsport, was revealed during an interview with Ed Boon on the YouTube channel First We Feast's Hot One program. All right. Okay. Yeah. Shout out First We Feast's Hot Ones. Big fan of that show. It's the one where they get a bunch of celebrities to eat, like, increasingly spicy hot wings. Oh, f***ing hell, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. shout outs to that show. That's a great so show. So they clearly got, like... I didn't know that's what it was called, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they clearly got Ed Boon hooked on the f***ing atomic bomb or whatever the fuck it's called, and yeah. he started spilling all these trade secrets under, like, the sweaty pressure <laughs> of eating all this spicy chilli sauce. So during this interview, Ed Boon revealed that when they made the first Mortal Kombat, the idea was to make Van Damme the arcade game. So they actually wanted him to be a cameo in the very, very first one. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, very infitting with uh, some of the history of the Mortal Kombat characters they've included in the newer titles. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, but obviously the collaboration didn't go ahead back then. Um, this time, however, Boone says that they've hit the lottery because in addition to Van Damme's participation as a skin, the actor will also voice it. <laughs> it makes all the difference. It's not quite a character of his own but the skin is basically going to be John claude van damme from bloodsport it's going to look like it and sound like it yeah like i said i mean johnny cage's moveset makes sense that uh that they do that but uh, yeah i think that the the skin and the voice acting is going to be the thing that really kind of makes it um and given that the previous game mortal kombat 11 had the likes of sylvester stallone as rambo and arnold schwarzenegger as the terminator the bar has been set pretty high for this franchise in terms of celebrity appearances so who else could be making the appearance at this point any speculation any guesses? Well, I mean, I think that a lot of the big ones have been covered. I'd like to see maybe uh, an updated Predator in the game. Uh, I think that they did put a Xenomorph in the game as well at some point. I'm just trying to think of other kind of cool 80s movies, 70s, 80s movies that they could they could work into that. Well, one I'd love to see is Wesley Snipes' Blade. Blade? Yeah, okay, that's that a great one. That would be a one, sick yeah. one. Not quite the same thing, but... That would be a cool one. Uh, it being a Marvel property, it's very unlikely, unfortunately. Oh, it's, no, it's never going to happen, that. yeah. that'd be cool, wouldn't it? He would be very fitting in terms of the theme. Uh, maybe seeing uh, like a character like Pinhead. Uh, was, well, I, do you know what? I, I feel like I'm saying all these characters that I want to be in the game, and I feel like they're already in the game now. Like, <laughs> I think Pinhead may, may well have been in a Mortal Kombat game, honestly. They've, they've kind of covered the gamut. Yeah, no, I, I think the Mortal Kombat kind of, it became like a kind of a Smash Bros for 80s action heroes uh, yeah. throughout certain iterations of the game. And uh, yeah, exciting to see, considering they've already got a big name like Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, maybe we'll see uh, Nicolas Cage dip his toes back into video game cameos and he'll become a Mortal Kombat fightable character. Dude. John Wick. John Wick would be a great one. Yeah, I can see Keanu getting behind this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murdering a dude with a pencil or some shit. As yeah, one of the fatalities. His fatalities moves. would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's actually quite a few characters in there. You mentioned Keanu Reeves. I think that that's another one where uh, there's already a uh, a character in Mortal Kombat or, or even a couple that are quite heavily focused on using their guns in the combat. 
So again, it would be very easy to just like fold that in, yeah. reskin the character, add the voice, and do that sort of thing. Although I do hope that uh, you know, like uh, you know, Freddy Krueger's appearance, like Aliens' appearance, like the T1000's appearance, I do hope that they still do stick some characters in there with their own unique move sets because these are really cool properties that they've got a hold of, and it's nice to see them kind of do specialized stuff that they're known and loved for doing, sort of thing. Especially like. A T-1000, uh, you know, there's certain kind of things that you just want to see that bad boy do. Yeah, uh, they almost certainly will have those. Will they be there on release? Not sure. Oh, well, no, they'll be drip fed uh, as part of loads DLC. DLC packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's exactly. just the way of fighting games these days. It'll happen, though. We can only hope. On that hopeful note, we finished the news for this week. So now it's time for the... A Games Challenge! <laughs> So, Will, this is my challenge this week, but why don't you remind the listeners what challenge you had set for me? So, James, uh, as a reminder for the listeners, the challenge that I set to you last week was to play Vampire Survivors, somehow obtain a character level of over 600 whilst keeping the enemy kill count below 300. Uh, For listeners that that aren't familiar or those numbers mean nothing to them, Vampire Survivors is typically a game where you achieve within the space of 15 to 30 minutes a kill count of hundreds of thousands, potentially. Yeah, and you get to like maybe level, I think the highest I got to in terms of playing the game properly was... 80 something <laughs> yeah that's yeah i think I've, I've hit maybe like 150 on a genuine run before um but yeah that's at the point where you know i've probably paid for a lot longer and afforded myself a lot more upgrades to oh, make it a lot easier it longer, yeah. to uh, oh yeah yeah well yeah unquestionably played it more but also <laughs> yeah. bought a lot more upgrades that would have afforded me to to make it to that a lot easier yeah. sort of thing but uh yeah so this sounds like a very confusing challenge how you're able to obtain a somewhat unobtainable level whilst also killing next to none enemies relative to how a regular run plays out. James, let me know how you got on. Well, so before I do let you know how I got on, there was actually a couple of other caveats involved in this. So what you told me last week was that I was going to be doing this in the level called Il Molise. Il Molise, that's correct. Well, I think it's Il Molise because it's Italian. Yeah, there's a lot of Italian. Yeah, there's a lot. That's all Italian. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, a lot of the characters and things, yeah. Yeah, and... uh, you said that I was allowed to look up how to unlock that, but that's it. I couldn't look up anything else to do with this game or this challenge. So essentially that was my my clue to you, because in terms of how to achieve this, I didn't want to make you cast quite such a wide net. Um, you know, there's like over 40 playable characters in this game. There's maybe like eight or nine different levels, I think. Um, main ones included with bonus levels. Five main and then some bonus. So yeah, I didn't want to make this kind of like an almost like a lottery challenge for you. So I tried to narrow the parameters just a little bit to kind of give you a helping hand in the right direction. And uh, it's still a f***ing lottery. It's still a lottery. <laughs> oh, completely. Absolute complete lottery. So to set the scene, my start I didn't start this game completely from scratch. Will did buy this for me as part of the Christmas uh, giveaway that we did. And I put in four hours and sort of, I, and I'd unlocked uh, up to stage three. So I had level one, level two, level three. Had about seven characters. And so that was my starting point. Yeah, basically, yeah, very much new to the game. Yes. So armed with my limited knowledge, I did Google how to unlock Il, Il Melisa. And the way you do that, is that you unlock hyper mode on any normal level. Pretty easy. I think to do that, you need to survive 25 minutes. So Yes, and you say pretty easy. That's bullshit. It's not pretty easy at all. What do you... Well, I mean, I did it with relative ease. Took me nine hours to do that. What? Yeah. All right, I'm going to tell you right now, you suck a vampire survivors, my friend. <laughs> 
So I, I spent 19 hours in total on this challenge, right? Oh my God. Wow. And the reason I did that is because, uh, and I'm going to quote you from last week. So James, this isn't a completion challenge. This is more of a puzzle. Yeah. To unlock the thing to do the puzzle, I had to complete the game, you ass. <laughs> I don't think that's true. It is true. Well, unless you've got another solution. Yeah. The way I, the way I fucking worked out to do it, I needed to complete the game to do it. Okay, right. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to need to get Ilmalese. So I need to get to 25 minutes. In a level, which took me a lot of time, as I say. Spent about nine hours doing that. What character were you using during that? Uh, so I used a few. Poe for a bit, too weak, too little health. Used Gennaro for a bit, or Gennaro, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the guy that's chucking the uh, the knives. Yeah, because of the extra um, thing, projectile thing that he gets. Yeah. Um, but the characters I actually ended up sticking with, when I unlocked them, uh, was uh, early game Swore Clarici, Sister Clarici, I assume. That oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, because she's a tank, she has extra health and has perma regen, which is really handy in the early game. And then as soon as I unlocked him, uh, Croqui Frito, Demon Boy, extra movement speed. Nice. Starts with the Holy Cross. Oh, like, yeah. Really useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are very powerful attacks. Yeah, so they, they were the characters that I was using the most. I, I did mess with a few others, but uh, they were my mains, so to speak. And the first thing I was doing was uh, I was, because I had level three unlocked, I thought, Fuck yeah, let's do level three. And uh, I just wasn't doing any damage. I really wasn't. Uh, in terms of power-ups to this point, I uh, when I first played, I remember saving all my gold for the um, extra projectile power-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good so one that to was get. basically all I had. Um, so I had to grind for quite a while, and this is probably as well where a lot of my time came in, because I had to unlock loads of gold to get loads of power-ups to make the later levels possible. And I actually did this, was doing this on stage 3 Dairy Plant, but I had to stop using that because I was getting to like 13 minutes and getting wrecked. Right, okay, okay. Um, so I actually went back to stage 1, the Mad Forest, and when I was there, um, I actually... I did it relatively quickly, I think. Can I check? At this point, had you figured out item evolutions, the weapon evolutions and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, okay. But I didn't know what item went with which, and I wasn't allowed to look it up, so it was just guesswork, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually finally unlocked Ilmalise, and I went in there. I forget with which character, and uh, what you need to know about uh, Ilmalise is that um, it's a bonus level where the enemies don't attack or move at all. They're basically all just stood still. It's just a bunch of plants. Yeah. Trees, flowers, the, the like, that sort of thing. As the level progresses, the plants kind of change. I think you start with kind of flowers and you end up with more viney, threatening looking enemies. But that was just scouting at this point. Just went in, saw, and uh, saw how much experience I was getting per kill. It was normal. So at this point, I'm thinking, right, there's a gimmick here. I thought I need to work out what this is. Um, no point sticking around here. Let's try and crack on. I'm going to need to unlock some characters. I'm going to need to unlock some shit to do this. Let's do this. So, um... I carried on because I'd unlocked this and I had some gold that I was getting. I was able to upgrade some stuff. So I went back to Dairy Plant and um, this was a bit of a difficulty inflection for me still because by the end of it, it's quite brutal. Yeah, enemies just start pouring in as you get towards the closing yeah. parts of this game. Uh, I mean, the game says become the bullet hell, but <laughs> what it was is the amount of enemies on screen. You're still in a, a bullet hell of sorts in this oh, game. Oh yeah, <laughs> 100%. And made all the more bad by the fact that enemies can come over solid walls that you can't go over. So you can't hide behind a wall to sort of make them go around the corner in yeah, certain aspects. Yeah. They will just float and still get you. So when I had no idea about combinations and things like that, this is where I was getting wrecked. And that, that's why I think uh, it took me so long, because I just had no idea what evolved what. Wasn't allowed to look any of it up. So it was just complete trial and error. The only one I knew, because I'd done it in my first playthrough, was um, the cross turns into um, Heaven's Sword with the um, Lucky Clover. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the only one I had because I'd unlocked it, and I didn't even. That was how I knew about weapon evolutions. Mm. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I stumbled into a lot of my weapon weapon evolutions throughout the game. I think it was it was literally maybe the last two that I had to look up. 
but uh, most of them I just kind of, through trial and error, figured out sort of thing. Or at least maybe I just happened to get some good combinations early on. But I think the fact that you can get up to six weapons, uh, there are ways of getting more than six weapons, but you can get six weapons and six items that boost your stats. And as long as any one of those happens to match up, then it will cause an evolution. So your chances of stumbling into them are still pretty high. When you max out the weapon, though, so if you're not focusing on that weapon, then you, you're toast. But this um, just basically running into the brick wall of dairy plant meant that I did eventually learn all of the combinations that I needed for my particular playstyle in this game. And this is where it's like, you know, this is probably... 12 hours in okay. it's starting to is, click <laughs> and this is where i still and bear in mind as well i, I did um, you did advise that i should play this on controller i still played it on wasd and it was perfectly fine but i don't know if that would have made a difference i think it would have i think having the uh the ability to change the speed that which you move on a controller is useful as well as the fact that you've got a full 360 um, play. I tried to play it on WASD on my keyboard and like all of my skill that I'd accrued just went out the window. And then I started playing it on my mouse and it was fine again. Like you can just click and drag the mouse to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just prefer WASD. It just worked better for me. Yeah, yeah. But... Fair enough, yeah. But eventually got through level three. You have to get to level 60, I believe it is, with a character to unlock um, level four. Uh, and then came the fucking second wall because to unlock level five, you have to get to level 80 in um, level four. And this, the reason this was the second wall is because I actually finished this. I did the half an hour, but I was level 78. <laughs> I, I I remember a similar thing happening to myself as well, actually. So I and I, and I didn't know what to like what to do. So I just f***ed off and did some other sh** and ground out for a bit, and then went back and kept throwing throwing myself at it. Did you use the power that gives you something like an additional eight percent or ten percent experience for every blue gem that you pick up? That's a a good way of kind of fast tracking that. Yeah. Yes, but that is only so helpful because you need it early game to get to level 80. That's doing right, that. yeah. But the way that I actually eventually did it was by doing that first run, I unlocked hyper mode, which is, um, again, it's getting to 25 minutes in some of them. Some of them you have to do a certain, like defeat a certain boss to get or something, I think. But um, hyper mode basically means that you move a lot quicker. And enemies as well, actually. The, the whole thing Oh, really? Is I, I didn't up. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> but that makes sense. Because there's hyper mode and hurry mode, and hurry mode speeds up the time as well, which is, you don't want to do that. You do eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually, I'm sure, but not when I was doing this. No, no. But eventually with hyper mode, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the movement speed, I got to like, as I say, I got to like high 80s, the next one. So I unlocked stage five. Nice, nice, nice. In the bag. And as part of my continuing running into the wall of level four, I actually unlocked a particular character. I'd been unlocking characters at this point for a fair bit. And whenever I did unlock a character and bought them, I would go straight to Illumilees to see if there was anything special that I could do. Yeah, yeah. And for the vast majority, absolutely f*** all. Like it's just it's just normal damage. At least it's easy to figure out because, I mean, the rate that you're going to get 300 kills is going to be pretty quick. You can very quickly rule out characters based on that. I, did, I was doing it by having like five kills and not even being level one. Like that's, I was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then after throwing myself at this level for quite some time, an achievement popped that was killing 3,000 dragon shrimp, I believe it was. <laughs> yeah. And what that unlocked for me was a character called Olso Lemio, which is... Uh, a reference to an Italian neoclassical song, I believe. <laughs> There's a lot of references in this game. Like, pretty much everything is a reference to something. Yeah. Shouts to the tiramisu being the revive object. <laughs> I just unlocked a character the other day called Missing No. So, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> That's from Pokemon, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokes. 
the corrupt Pokemon, and it looks like a corrupted pixel as uh, a oh, corrupted really? image of the character as well. It kind of looks like all of them uh, kind of blended together and corrupted. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and this also Lemio character is a doggo, which is just great, right? And this was where I got the first seed of what the solution might be, because every <laughs> single character has their own weapon, and Doggo's weapon is a bunch of flowers. I think it's called Celestial Dusting, is it? Something like that? Exactly that. And uh, that set off a little, hang on, Ilmeliz is full of flowers. The pieces are starting to click together. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So then I went, obviously as I did with every new character, as I've just said, I went to Ilmeliz, I f***ed around. This weapon was doing no damage, Will. It was healing them, it seems. It seems. And I was getting a small trickle of experience coming up on the bar that's right and i thought well f it let's run for 15 minutes and see what level i can get to so will i'm delighted to tell you that i got to level 35 with zero kills <laughs> very nice making Solid. good progress uh where's the rest of the like 500 odd levels <laughs> yeah now if the challenge ended there it'd be pretty shit, wouldn't it it would it would so at this point i was like right i've got the strat i think but what the fuck am I going to do with this? I need another 570 levels, give or take. 565. What the fuck? And this is actually, funnily enough, when you messaged me saying, and this was uh, Thursday night in the week, and you messaged me saying, how's the challenge going? Do you need a clue? And I responded with something along the lines of, I don't know, I think I've got the gimmick, but no idea how I'm going to get it to level 600. And you told me, well, fine, the next clue is limit break. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. It does. But I'm not allowed to look up how to unlock Limit Break, right? So <laughs> so that's it's it's useful information. And what it did tell me is it told me that my strat was correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's these are clues. I'm not giving you the answer. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> also, what I will say is, is this challenge isn't dependent on doing Limit Break. Limit Break merely makes it much easier to do. Like, much right. easier to do. With that new knowledge, I carried on playing and I was just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get Limit Break, so at this point I may as well just keep trying to complete the game, I suppose. Just unlock characters, just throw myself at it, see what happens. So, begin the blind grind to unlock Limit Break, as I dubbed it. <laughs> this took me through a whole bunch of levels, a whole bunch of failures, uh, eventually leaving me to a secret level, which is called Moon Golo. Oh, now, this is interesting. This doesn't follow... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we've got a divergence We do, here, right? we do, yeah. So what I did in this secret level with Moon Golo is um, it's kind of a, another one of these weird levels. There are enemies in it, but you're kind of... Um, it felt to me like I was in an ice cave. But that's not what it is, but that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah. And uh, I was in there with my character, Crocci. Crocky. Don't know how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah, demon yeah, yeah. The boy. kind of red demon devil guy. Red demon boy. Yeah, I was in there with him. And I got to the end because by this point, I, as I say, I had my strat down. And the interesting thing about this level is um, every single passive power-up in the game is available to you straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, which basically means you can evolve anything if you know the combination. Yeah. But I just, I got through. Like, no problem. Got to the end of the level and I was transported to a corridor that um, removed all of my power-ups and was just very linear. And I was just getting fired at by some enemies. Yeah, yeah. And I just had to fucking escape. And, Weird uh, stuff know, I, starts to happen in this game after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing I did notice. And eventually got to the end, um, you know, about half health bar got knocked off and I couldn't kill anything. I was just in a corridor, right? And um, I walked out into the sky, no floor or anything. That's right, yeah. And I unlocked an item called uh, the yellow sign. Right. I got a f***ing clue what that does, but I unlocked it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I've finished that level then. Cool. So at this point, I've then, um, I've unlocked stage five, the final stage of the game. And uh, I actually only did this stage two times. The first time, I got so rinsed you you will not believe it because for, what, <laughs> for whatever reason the enemies just weren't dropping experience gems i got to like 20 minutes in and i was level 15 
which is ridiculous. There are some modifiers that you can get that uh, that temporarily disable dropping of experience gems. I wonder if you accidentally bumped into one of those. Maybe. There are things that can like temporarily halt XP gain or even permanently halt XP gain in order to get you more. Did you notice you were getting more gold coins or something? No. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. No, th- that that, that say, could well be the first documented glitch on Vampire Survivors. So it, weird, don't know. Yeah. It was just, but I was like, fuck me this level. What am I going to do here? Yeah. F- yeah, I'll try again. Seem to be back to normal the next time. And as I say, by this point, I had my strat down. So if you're interested, garlic plus its evolution, soul eater, brilliant. Very good. Yeah, damages all nearby enemies and restores your health on kill. Exactly. Very useful. My personal favorite, I think, throughout the game, pentagrams evolution. The delightful moon or some gorgeous moon. I can't remember what it's called. I don't actually use the pentagram very often because it upsets me that early on it just deletes all of your items willy-nilly. You kind of need to upgrade it quite a bit to actually make it good. That is, yeah, that's a problem. But um, by like level four of it, it's, it's no only longer a, an issue. Yeah. It's like a 45% chance. So it's not that bad. But when it's evolved, um, it has the full pentagram thing, which just clears the screen of enemies. But then it produces more experience gems and then sucks them all into you. Right. Okay. Okay. So useful for power leveling towards the end uh, and uh, the sort of unsung hero of any sort of successful strat that I had was uh, Laurel ah uh, the Laurel was the invincibility and it goes in one of your uh, weapon shield. slots uh, interesting shield. yeah yeah and you can have charges to your shields as well exactly uh, three by end uh, I think so yeah. Powered, I think. yeah yeah and you can have you know everything is evolvable so yeah can you evolve the Laurel you can everything oh, is evolvable yeah yeah so I never worked out to do that but um, base Laurel with those two and any other two or three weapons kind of basically does it yeah that's really all you need because the soul eater garlic evolution means that you can sort of just run around constantly and you're killing weak mobs just by your aura yeah and couple that with the laurels protection is if you do run into too many strong mobs you can just run through without taking damage and get into space yeah super useful and i coupled that with a couple of key passives the crown for experience that you mentioned earlier that was crucial but the most important power up by a country mile is the empty tome cooldown reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is huge. For certain abilities, like there, there are some abilities where it's not as useful, but so many of the power-ups make it, yeah. It, it turns like a slow-firing thing into a chain gun eventually. Exactly. And yeah, the one one of the ones I did like was um, one of the pairs of pistols you can unlock uh, that goes in the next. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, the Holy Cross slash Heaven Sword I mentioned. Those just fucking go like every couple of seconds yeah. with this because you, you end up with 40% less power up time or something or something crazy so those are sort of the main things you can then scatter in other things like the spinach for 10% extra damage each level things like that so by this point I was had it pretty down and I actually got to the end of the level and uh, I got to half an hour I was expecting the reaper to come and I was kind of right uh, the reapers all came because there's like five different <laughs> yeah, reapers that's right. merged into one big reaper boss battle begins yeah which I assume is the final boss of the game but I could be wrong but uh, this one gave me a little bit of trouble because for the first few minutes I couldn't move I say minutes for the first like bit I couldn't move at all I was just stuck in place oh right okay like in the centre of a vortex or something oh yeah no that does happen yeah 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 just for a few seconds but um, because I had my soul eater and I had various things popping off it wasn't too bad and when I could move uh, it was actually quite simple <laughs> to be honest with you just avoid the lines of coffins yeah 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 and this isn't me bragging that I managed to complete the game despite Will saying it wasn't a completion challenge. But what this did was I unlocked an item called the Grim Grimoire. Yes. And what this did was it unlocked Limit Break. So I completely fluked on Limit Break. I just, by finishing the game, I unlocked it. So at this point I was like, okay. <laughs> We're in business. 
<laughs> so that I, that I think I have everything that I need to do this thing. So I went back to Ilmalis. I equipped uh, also Lemio. Of course. Uh, at some point, I don't know when I did this, I unlocked um, the little toggle that you can set how many weapons you can have in a run. Yes. Change yeah. that down to one. I only need my starting weapon. Yep. Don't need anything yep. else. Good choice. Good choice. That's another one that is like, it's, it's a bit of the puzzle that's contingent on you have to do that. You will screw yourself up otherwise. And I've no idea how I unlocked it. It was just there at some point. Pretty much every time you play a round of this game at the first couple of like the first like 50 rounds you unlock something new a new character a new system a new weapon something exactly so i have no idea when this happened i might even have had it before i started playing the challenge honestly i didn't look but um the first run i did gave me a lot of confidence because again by this point i'd got level 35 and zero kills i had a long way to go and in my first run with this new strat i got to uh level 400 and something zero kills by the end very nice and i was like okay we're onto something here <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. the next run i did i got to like level 100 and something and zero kills and i was like okay mm. what can i do what to make here? this better <laughs> and what i eventually went with um was because you still you can set one weapon but you still have to have all six passives that is very true i couldn't find a way to cut that down to one as well because that would have been handy there is no way there is no way okay that's good and what i ended up doing was there's two passives you can unlock that instead of having five levels to them they only have two and i say there's only two i only knew of two at this point there may be more and that is the tiramisu and um the ring that gets is, <laughs> is it called the tiragasu i think no so i've got it written down it's called um it's called yeah tiragisu yeah yeah it's it's a book that essentially gives you the ability to revive yourself depending on how many it's a piece of tiramisu got, right? oh really i always saw it as a book <laughs> Well, I saw it as a piece of tiramisu. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Well, you know, it's pixel art. Pixels can be confusing exactly, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I prefer a piece of tiramisu to a book, to be fair. Um, and the duplicator, which uh, gives you more projectiles. That's one of my favourite ones, i got to say, because I like powers that fire a lot of projectiles anyway, so using that thing, you kind of double or triple your output, so very good. But it also, crucially for my strat here, it only has two upgrades not five right yes. and the reason this is key is because the way to get this done in my mind was to take as many turns of leveling up nonsense out of it as i could yep. so that eventually i could limit break my celestial dusting right for the final run that i did because at this point i think it's fair to say i did complete the challenge congratulations buddy challenge over but for my final run my setup was the celestial dusting is my only weapon my passives were the wings which improve max speed which synergizes perfectly with that weapon because it loads when you're moving uh the candelabra wire wider area of effect yeah that's a very good one yeah empty tome reduce cooldown yeah again very strong duplicator and tiragasu i've already mentioned cool yeah okay and the reason i picked these two uh, passives the last ones is purely because they only had two levels on them which meant i had an extra minute or so in limit break right of course yeah yeah and then when i was limit breaking when you get limit break you have like between three and four options of what you want to limit break at any point. That's right. And for the first, like, whole bunch, like, for loads, every time it was the option there, area of effect. Area Nail of effect, plus two Nail and a half percent. Head. That's the one. If that one wasn't available, amount. If that one wasn't available, speed. Yep. Never duration. Yep. Never, Never duration. duration. Actually, uh, durations, duration is very good on that one, i got to say. Not for the start, right? Because eventually I pressed the all random, because who has time to keep clicking every five seconds. Uh, so again, I maybe spent, like when I did that, the run maybe took me like three hours, but I never clicked random. <laughs> but I, oh, right. like, when I tell you my numbers, what I got on this, it was way more than the challenge I set you. I was just like, what's a different Well, so number? is mine. Yeah. So I actually ended up with level 1,599. <laughs> yeah, nice. For 75 kills. And all of those kills 
were after the level had finished. It was when the Reaper had come and I stayed alive because there were so many flowers on the screen because when you expand the size of everything, like your screen just gets filled with pixels, like flowers and green numbers. Yeah, I had kind of healing. each projectile taking up about half of my entire phone screen at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, even on my PC monitor, it was about the same. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Was, it was a joke how big it <laughs> yeah. got. And I was just running in a circle. At that point, you feel like you're breaking the game. You really feel yeah, like- Yeah, it did. Actually, my, um, my phone started to get really hot when I did this. <laughs> like I was like, should I keep playing? I don't know. It's really hot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it, eventually it's like it starts off. It's like you have to do a couple of laps to get a level, and eventually it's every step. Yeah, like, it really does just build up. So there it is. There you go, man. Congratulations on unlocking the secrets to this challenge. It sounds like you did a really good job. But I'm curious, Will. You mentioned that Limit Break wasn't the only way to do this, and I had a fiery rant at you at the start for <laughs> you saying this wasn't a completion challenge. Is there a way that this could be done without Limit Break then? Please tell me. Yeah, so the way that this could be done without Limit Break is pretty much following every single step that you did, except the fact that you just do nothing but run around in circles for the entire game. And at that point, as you're running around... Sorry, when you say the entire game, what do you so do you mean the entire level yeah the entire level when you're at that point right. once you've got osol and you're in il malise you can just run around in circles never endingly and at that point the plants you'll start to notice massively increase their density in the path that you're yeah. running it was that how you did the challenge as well you were just running in a circle basically and just well side to side initially because that seemed to be the quickest way to do it and then when it started ramping or something yeah 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 that's that's absolutely the technique to do it and and it's possible to do that without the uh massive buffs to the size of the flowers it is possible to get to that level it just takes a hell of a lot longer you see when i did it i like i said i did that and i got level 35 yeah yeah no I, yeah I, I i don't know that's that is odd to me that um that you were struggling there but the other thing that's odd to me is, is the, the method that you went about finding the limit break as well. Because the way that I ended up unlocking that sounded much less difficult, uh, number one, than the method that you took. Because I think that in order to actually unlock the limit break the way I did it, you need to get something called the Great Gospel. And you get that for just surviving 30 minutes in Capella Magna. I don't know if you I unlocked Capella Magna. That's the final mission that you did it, that I beat um, the Reaper guy in. So yeah, and I did that because to get that boss fight, you do 30 minutes. Yeah, but you don't need to beat the boss. You just need to survive 30 minutes in Capella Magna. And that, that gives oh, you fine. limit break. Um, and to unlock Capella Magna, you only need to get level 80 in Gallo Tower. So it seemed to which me... I, as I say, which I found difficult. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I guess in my mind, I was thinking that I didn't anticipate you having any difficulty hitting at least level 80, because that seems to be the, the main kind of tier for progressing the next thing. You either need to survive the 30 minutes or whatever the maximum is, or you need to reach a certain amount of levels to kind of progress. And I knew it was level 80 because the achievement said so. Yeah. Like the prior yeah. one was level 60. But as I say, I got to level 78 the first time. So yeah, I, I guess I wasn't banking on you having quite so much difficulty with getting to level 80 on Gallo Tower. But the rest of unlocking the limit break is just a much more simple thing in terms of uh, just getting to 30 minutes in level 5. So I thought that you would do that with quite a bit of ease. The thing that I was anticipating you having a lot of trouble with was figuring out that you had to use Osol. And I was a little worried about uh, how long it was going to take you to unlock Osol, actually, more than anything. So it's interesting there. I was, I was more worried about the unlock for Osol than I was about you getting Limit Break. No, other way around. Yeah, yeah. Enough. 
I actually, I've, I was quite pleased. I worked out the gimmick quite quickly. I think one of the missions that the game sets you, and this was how I sort of discovered it, and it's why Offpod, when we had the conversation last Friday, I said to you, just follow the missions, follow what the game's telling you to do, because one of the missions is specifically, be a good boy in Ilmalese. But here's the thing, Will, you, you say that, but where does it say that? Because I never saw that phrasing anywhere, ever. Ah, so maybe you didn't unlock it, but it's in the unlocks menu in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen when you're on the main menu. There's nothing there for me. Ah, okay, so it sounds like you maybe didn't get the unlock thing i'm not sure actually how you get that but um yeah i figured that giving you the level was going to be enough of a kind of like a drawdown and as well as the fact that this is where using your noggin comes in and you absolutely did where you correctly identified that the enemies were flowers osol shoots flowers and makes perfect sense flowers not going to be effective against flowers so but no so got it didn't think I was gonna, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm glad that I dropped that little nugget of the limit break for you there, because I thought, do you know what, if he hasn't done it yet, limit break will make it like, boom, you know what I mean? And it sounds like given your experience on it, like the moment you had that locked in, it was like easy, almost. Yeah, but don't give yourself too much credit because getting limit break was stressful, especially after you'd said it's not a completion challenge. And then in my mind, you've just explained that I didn't have to, so fair enough. But in my mind, to get limit break, I had to finish the game by the end of it. So you're nowhere near completing the game. But you see how I would think it that I did the final stage and I beat the final boss to unlock the thing that in my mind I needed to do the challenge. So you can see where I'm coming from at least, even if I'm incorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get um, how you could perceive it was like that from your playthrough. Ultimately it was fun, that's the main thing. So um, you actually enjoyed the time you spent in it, doing it, getting to the levels? Apart from when I was getting really disheartened because I was like, okay, fucking hell, I've just unlocked all of this and then only level 35, really? Right, yeah. But yeah, 1-0 to the champion, mate. Nice! Off to the races, we're, we're going strong. <laughs> Never looking back. Right, well, I've got to find out what's in store for myself now this week. It's about time we got to your challenge, isn't it? It is indeed. Long awaited. So, your first challenge of the new series of the games challenge, Will, is... It's going to be in Dark Souls 1. Ooh, okay, okay, nice. Do you know what? I've been looking for an excuse to get back into Dark Souls 1. This is it, baby. Lay it on me. Well, uh, this could ruin the game for you. <laughs> f*** you already. F*** you in advance. <laughs> so, your challenge for this week is I would like you to beat the Asylum Demon and the Taurus Beast. There's more. There has to be more coming. <laughs> yeah. With no equipment and no consumables, and no companions. No consumables, so no Estus. Estus is fair. Estus is fair, okay, so I can use that. But no bombs, no items, no weapons, no armor, no nothing. You're bare fist, naked. Do you know what, man? It sounds like a difficult challenge, but I am absolutely up for this one. It is bolstered by the fact that I have done half of this challenge in a previous life, but I am very interested to see uh, what the Asylum Demon is saying. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's the I've done the, the one with the big axe at the beginning of the game that you've got to kill to you get You've done Asylum Demon. It's Taurus Beast. It's, the that's the one that I haven't done. But I'll say, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about this challenge because I personally, I find Taurus Demon easier than Asylum Demon as well. Well, no, the reason I picked those two specifically is because with no armor and shit, they will probably two-shot you. Yep, 100%. Maybe one shot. And uh, they're going to be tanky enough that when you're only using fists that two mistakes is going to do you. Yeah. So you're going to need a lot of focus. Patience, more importantly, I think. No getting greedy. James, I love this challenge. i got to say, I love this challenge. Should I tell you why I love this challenge so much? I was going to set it for you at some point this year as well. <laughs> I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't going to go for the bridge demon, but I literally, I had the asylum. I was going to say, you got to be the asylum demon, no equipment. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought just asylum demon was too easy. Fingers crossed goes well, as you say, 
it's possibly doesn't seem like that big a challenge. It's going to be more the grind of it. You're going to need to focus. Each fight's probably going to take you 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, pure patience, perfect timing. Do that, be all right. So with that, we come to the end of the show. Hope you enjoyed all the, the chat about Starfield and the Return of the Games Challenge. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. And with that one final humble request to our listeners, if you could please follow us on those social medias, give us a like, rate us five stars on those podcast platforms. It really helps us out and we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It really is the best way to support the show. Yes, and on that note, we look forward to talking to you all again next week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye now. 